Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 387th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Do you want to save money at the grocery store, eat more organic, whole foods, cultivate food security, and feel more connected to the earth? If so, then growing your own food is a no-brainer. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me claiming that they can't grow their own food. They think they don't have enough space, that they're too busy, or that they simply don't have what it takes. Perhaps you've fallen for one of these gardening myths. If you think you can't grow food, or if you think the only food that you have access to is what you buy in the grocery store, I have a life-changing webinar that you need to see. It's free and will help you unearth your inner gardener. I've helped thousands of people just like you learn to grow their own food. And I'm speaking from my own experience when I say that with the right knowledge in place, there is no such thing as a black thumb. With this webinar, you can begin making your garden dreams come true and start growing delicious, nutritious food for your family. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or go to IWantToGarden.com and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. Remember, that's GARDEN to 44222 or IWantToGarden.com. Today on our podcast, we have someone who is empowering the community by growing food together. We're talking with Daniel Oladakun dabowski about building a community garden. Daniel is an urban gardener with big hopes of solving major world problems by focusing on his local community. He is an anthropologist and social worker aiming to lift marginalized people up and establish a source of free, healthy food alternatives through the community garden being built in Casa Grande, Arizona. Daniel seeks to effectively empower disenfranchised and marginalized people in the community by teaching those who come to the garden to grow their own food and use resources around them. He wants to help a target population of children from broken homes, homeless, those suffering from serious mental illness, post-traumatic stress, and the public. Welcome to the show today, Daniel. Are you ready to rock the community garden? Yes, I am. 
Excellent. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Absolutely. I'd be happy to. Thank you for having me on the show. It's a wonderful show and a lot of people benefit from it. So my particular path towards starting a community garden began long ago when my father first planted that seed in my mind to beginning to have a green thumb in Michigan. And he recently passed of pancreatic cancer because of his years of exposure to lead-based paints in the paint industry. Mm, Sorry about that. Thank you. And because of his loss and largely everything came together all at one point, I had an opportunity to begin a community garden to help establish a legacy on my father's behalf to really help other people and lift them up. And since I already had a degree, a master's degree in anthropology, and I had shifted to social work for my in-laws' professions here in home health and group homes uh, down in Casa Grande, we really wanted to reach a different aspect of people down here who might be hurting marginalized folks and help lift them up. And this was one way to do it. Awesome. So what has been your pathway from graduating? Because you went to Arizona State University, correct? That's correct. I just recently graduated in December last year. Congratulations. Thank you. It wasn't long before that that I'd met you and you had, you know, given me some sage words of advice on starting a community garden and you said something to the effect that if there wasn't one, you know, or didn't know of one that was operating, then I must be the one to start it. And along with it comes all the successes and all of the failures. So I'm ready to take on that challenge because the positives outweigh the negatives. So I'm moving forward with it. Excellent. We just need to be in action. For all our listeners out there, the way things get done in the world is you take them on and you do them. So Daniel, thank you for taking this on and doing it. Thank you. So tell me about your garden. Well, right now it's 0.83 acres Mm -hmm. and I basically have about 40 to maybe 45 wood chip loads that had been dumped there through the grace of local Trees Incorporated who came through the town on an APS contract, and they do this every three years or so. And we were lucky enough to establish connection with them through tremendous effort of one individual in our group that happened to establish contact and tell them where the location was. Uh So that's part of the process. I'm helping to empower other folks in our community by establishing my own Facebook group, the Casa Grande Garden Group, and that is a means that I use to organize folks in the local community and really get everybody together and talk about the community garden there. So with the help of this one individual setting up that contact and that connection, we were able to start collecting all of that necessary biomass for the organic horizon. So tell me why wood chips and how much is 45 truckloads? 45 truckloads is about, I'd say, 10 yards of wood chips that were dumped each. And, you know, it's about I'd say a foot to two feet high in places right now. I had to knock it all down because I didn't want any spontaneous combustion that you might hear about. Right. I just wanted to eliminate that liability. Yeah. So I spread all of them out over this site. And I knew that, you know, if I start to inoculate with worms and fungi and things like that, I knew that that biomass would quickly disappear. And, of course, I've watched many videos from Doug Jones and Jake Uh Mace and try to keep my ear to the ground and try to figure out exactly what the best approach is. And now I know that I need to install water there. Right now I'm just using a 50-gallon water barrel drum that I collect rainwater from and trying to grow some shade trees there. But I know it's a slow process, but we're going to get there. 
Cool. The big bonus, especially in the desert, by adding lots of organic woody mulch is that it creates an insulation from the heat. It acts as a sponge. And at the interface between the woody mulch and the dirt, it makes this amazing soil. Have you found that that's been happening? Yes, I have done that in my own backyard. So I knew that if I can do it in my backyard, then I can clearly do it elsewhere. And that's part of the educational aspect that I want to turn this plot of land into. First, I'd like to get an awe-inspiring effect on people's faces when they come by and see it, that it can be done Uh in the Sonoran Desert. And second, I want to be able to give away fruit trees and give away seeds and propagate cuttings and give all them away and give away wood chips and just make people happy as they come and then leave with something. So that's the real concerted effort behind the community garden is to really truly make it a communal place where people can come and take freely. Yeah. Have you happened to have read a book called Ishmael by Daniel Quinn? People have told me to read it before, but I haven't had a chance to get around to doing it. It is a fantastic book, and he traces back our culture back 10,000 years to when food got locked up. That's what he calls it, because food grows everywhere. You know, I had something happen in 1991. A friend of mine went to the South Pacific on a sailboat and they anchored at an island looking for a grocery store. And the people looked at him and said, well, go pick your own. That happened for me in 1991. And it really planted a seed that has lasted, you know, almost 30 years of, well, food just grows everywhere. And by locking it up, which is what we do in the corporate food system, by locking it up, we're taking people's health away, essentially. So you're really speaking heavily to creating a place where food just grows and you can share it. Tell me about that. Absolutely. Since I've been dabbling in rooting my own cuttings for plants and propagating them and air layering, doing mark cuttings, I've basically learned how to graft myself just by watching and paying attention to places like Jake Mace's Urban Garden Forum. Yep and watching others be successful at it. So I decided that I should not hold on to this knowledge. I have to create a place where even locals can come here to gather and propagate the knowledge too and let other people know that, hey, they can unlock that access to healthy food and it can be given away freely, I think. Yeah, this given away freely, here's another take on it. I have gotten very clear over the past 30 years of my life, that the only place that this notion of lack lives, there's not enough, is between our ears. Because when I look at the productivity of my garden and what happens out there, it just blows me away. Have you found that? Absolutely. From Michigan to here. You know, I have a garden in Michigan, too, where I'm successfully growing pawpaw trees and apple trees. Yeah. You know, I've experienced this all my life that neighbors are kind to neighbors. And when we have surplus amounts of food, we tend to give our produce to neighbors. So I thought to myself, well, how is it that I can harness that energy in one place and just have people do that naturally? And I found out that tremendously successful in about three months, I think we've been in operations. Wow. So how's the community taken on to this? Everybody loves it. The alleyway that it exists on right now, there's people who leave trash bags of cut grass in the back or even palm fronds. Uh Some people might shy away from using palm fronds. I see them as very beneficial for creating shade structures and use them for a lot of rain repellent for shade structures. There's multiple ways to use many things. 
you know, people ask me about that all the time, about palm fronds, about oleanders. And, you know, the palm fronds are great for shade, but any of this stuff that's chipped, it's all organic matter. It's going to break down into healthy soil eventually. Yes, that's absolutely true. And the only thing that I've heard people shy away from are cedar chips, but everything else is pretty much good. Oh, yeah. Cedar chips. The reason being is they've got antimicrobial built into it. You know, it kind of kills bugs and that kind of stuff. So what stage is the community garden in right now? I started the Casa Grande Garden Facebook group in February. We began the community garden in March. Wow. Yeah, I know. With the APS contracted crew that came through in the springtime, they literally dropped all of their loads up until I'd say about mid-May. Uh-huh. And then they ceased, and we're just waiting for the wood chips to naturally break down, which takes about a year. And, of course, the monsoon rains that have been coming through have been a blessing, so that's helping speed up the activity that's happening underneath. I really need to start to bring in more inoculants and hope that some of the worms and fungi that I am bringing in to inoculate the site, I hope that they start to take. And it will, because I've seen it happen in a couple other places I've done. Oh, yeah, it absolutely will. In fact, it's so interesting for me. When you add organic matter, what I have found over and over and over again happens is that the worms just show up. It's like you can have a plain piece of dirt and you throw in compost and leaves and all that kind of stuff and the worms just show up. It's magical how it happens. Yes, that is absolutely the case, too, with a connection that I have. A man out of Arizona City, he has access to alfalfa manure, and that has certainly happened with his four-foot-high cinder block perimeter raised bed boxes, and that's definitely happened with his case, and he grows excellent produce there. Cool. So any problems that you've had to solve so far in creating this community garden? Well, I realize that it's going to take time. Just the initial hiccup is establishing a water supply line, and we've been quoted a pretty hefty sum from Arizona. Uh-huh. And I think it's a $3,500 fee to start, not to mention the $795 fee for service. So it's pretty hefty, but I'm hoping that I can draw a lot from the community of participants that believe in this idea of potentially creating a source for free food. It's working so far. So we've raised some $420 up to this point, and I'm very, very pleased with that. So we're blessed. Cool. So what do you see the future of your community garden being? Well, as of right now, we just have to allow time to take place and let the wood chips break down and decompose as they naturally would. But we really do need to establish a water line that's metered to the site. Mm -hmm. It's a vacant plot of land, so it's going to be a brand new, fresh metered water line. And that's pretty costly. And we currently have a GoFundMe account set up for that. But once the water is introduced, then we'll probably go there and water it regularly and really speed up that decomposition process. Yeah. That way, we can create beautiful soil for many more fruit trees. Yeah, water meters and water lines coming in can be expensive. What do they want, about three, $4,000 for that? Yeah, it'll be $3,500 plus $795 for the fee. So right now, we just have a 50-gallon drum on site that I siphon water out of, and I've been asking members to bring a gallon of water to refill it, and that's been really, really helpful. Oh, nice. Right now, we're able to sustain a couple of of black mulberry trees there and 
Juan Moringa and Arizona Sweet Orange and a Lisbon Lemon. Wow, good for you. Have you thought about approaching the Casa Grande City Council and telling them what you're doing and asking them for a waiver on that $3,500? They can do that. Yes, somebody else had mentioned that too before, and it is in the plans to try to hit the next city planning meeting, but sometimes you have to schedule far in advance for that kind of stuff. I am not by any means discouraged by the process. There's also the fact that I would like to finish the process of Articles of Incorporation for the business, ESA's Garden, right. as well as the 501c3 status, but all of these things take time, especially when I have a normal you know, day job. It's hard, but that's where I really like to try to organize on the Facebook group Mm -hmm. and solicit help from the community members, too, because I know that a community garden simply cannot exist with just me doing it. So a lot of people have stepped up. They lent us a skid loader to help move a lot of the wood chips initially. Someone brought alfalfa manure and dumped a 20-yard load of alfalfa manure on site. So we've been blessed. Nice. And we don't have chip drop down here like many people do in the valley. So wood chips are hard to come by down here. You'd be hard pressed to find a wood chipper. However, there are small landscape crews with just your standard tow package on a truck. But Mm -hmm. I have been giving out business cards to them and they have been definitely bringing branches and twigs and things that we can use for trellising. And, you know, once I do get a wood chipper, I could certainly chip a lot of that up. Nice and help create more biomass. Yeah. Well, and there's also this concept called hugel culture. Have you ever heard of it? Yes, I have. As a matter of fact, I do have a lot of logs separated because once we do get a lot of biomass, I like to comb through it and pick everything out. And then I organize it all in piles Mm -hmm. on the site so that if we have plastic bottles, I'll take all those out and I'll actually cut them in half because they're excellent greenhouses for starting a lot of plants. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of things that I use. I use the palm fronds like I had mentioned before. So I'll organize those. And a lot of the linear twigs and branches, those have all their own piles. So I'm using Using a lot of those for, you know, above ground trellises, for mm-hmm. living shade structures, things like that for vines. Wow, you're getting really creative with this. Yeah, I want people to come there and be awe-inspired, so it's going to be like a Pinterest novelty that they'll be able to see, you know, and then get a lot of ideas from. Yeah, exactly. You know, I call my urban farm here in Central Phoenix an environmental showcase home where I do all kinds of things like that, and then I open it for tours for people to come and see. So they get ideas. So I love that you're adding that sparkle to it as well. Yeah, I noticed it's pretty prolific throughout the valley, but it just didn't seem to be, you know, in existence down here in Casa Grande. But I could be wrong. You know, I've only been living here for almost 10 years, so I just haven't seen it. But I really wanted to create that environment. You do see it, too, now, because a lot of people are catching wind of creating community gardens. Yep. I'm even offering help, and I want to give them free wood chips whenever I can get the biomass broke down. Yeah, perfect. So you said you were running a GoFundMe. How can people find out about the GoFundMe? I advertise it quite often on our Facebook group, Casa Grande Garden Group. So if you simply request membership to that, then you'll be able to see quite regularly post there. Excellent. So I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you learned from it. But before you get started on that, in our pre-conversation, you had a little bit of a reaction to this question. And what you told me was you said you don't really see failures as failures. 
And I just want to do a shout out to everybody. Really, a failure is a learning experience. When I ask this question, it's like, what kind of awesome learning experiences have you had? That's right, Greg. You know, failures are just simply challenges, and they're a part of a maturation process that we all have. I think that many of the failures came from trying to grow fruit trees without a microclimate in my backyard. Mm. Once I really learned about the Moringa and Pakistani mulberries and even my bare root hood pear, which seems to take full brunt sun. Wow. I've really learned to establish the microclimate and really respect it. And these are things that Jake Mason and his videos, you know, these are definitely one of the first things you want to think about establishing because of the sun. Right. So really what you're talking about is growing shade. Yeah, definitely. And you need to create a filtered light effect out here in the Sonoran Desert in order to protect a lot of the understory, which can be simply fried if you don't. Yeah. So what do you consider your biggest success? I think my ability to organize as a social worker and really focus on anthropology and empowering people and lifting people up has been my biggest success. I really want to try to reach out and help as many people as possible. And I think that doing what you've been doing for some 30 years now is just reaching out and teaching people the benefits of growing your own homegrown organics and how that might lead to things like reducing diabetes or reducing high blood pressure or maybe even staving off cancer. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of research that is going into plants and plant byproducts that I think we really need to pay attention to and changing our lifestyles to consume many of these other healthy organic foods that you yourself are growing is very, very enriching and empowering too. Yeah. You know, one of the things I love about what you're up to, you're not in this for the short run. This is a long-term project for you and you're starting with a 55-gallon barrel of water. That is epic. I just want to throw that out to you. Good for you. This is how we create change in the world. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for mentioning that because it really stimulated my memory, reminded me to talk about that because, you know, it's just a 50-gallon drum, but, you know, it's just a challenge. If there's no water to my site right now, well, it's just a problem and we'll overcome it. Yeah. We as a community can come together to solve many problems. We just have to ignore what our political penchant is and just come together because I think gardening has a curious way of transcending politics and you're just there to try to figure out how to sustain your own self and your own family. And eat well. Help each other out. Yeah. So what drives you? My curiosity to really help other people regardless of where they exist on the planet to seek better ways for us to eliminate cancer to eliminate diabetes to eliminate world hunger these all are just problems and they can be solved but i don't think it's wrapped up in a pill i think it's something from the social so if we start these small-scale experiments locally I do believe we can finally get to globally one day, so long as we continue this process of planting a seed in somebody else's mind, that you can eliminate these things, at least in yourself and in your own family, by just talking about it and doing it. You know, not to be cliche, but just do it. Absolutely. So if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? There's actually a couple books. One's an anthropology book. It's changed my life. The Logic of Practice by Pierre Bourdieu. And that's basically the theory that I use is practice theory to approach everything that I do from an anthropological perspective. It's very useful for me in my career, and I use it on a daily basis. The garden book that I like is Michigan Garden Guide by Jerry Minich, and that's a University of Michigan Press book. Mm -hmm. And in it, 
even though you might not think that it's appropriate for Arizona, it actually is because he breaks down the whole discussion about creating a biomass that talks things about compost, mulching, sheet mulching, sheet composting. All of these things are spelled out rather clearly in his book. So I think that even an Arizona gardener would find the Michigan Gardening Guide as a useful read. Oh, yeah. I'm sitting here thinking about all of the things that you mentioned about being in the book. And it's like, we use all that stuff here. Absolutely. You know, I also participate in the Michigan Garden Connection on the Facebook groups. So, you know, I'm all over and I try to learn a variety of perspectives. And that's another aspect of anthropology I like to try to introduce is try to understand a whole gamut of ideas and where people are coming from and what the discourse is that they're talking about. And I've been finding out that many people have the same problems. Excellent. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Well, just stay true to your goals. If you are committed at doing something, then there's nothing in the world that can stop you. The only person that can ever stop you is yourself. That's what I would suggest is that if you're really committed about something, and even though eliminating cancer is something that I speak about, it's a daunting task. Of course it is. But I think if you know you really focus on it, you could really, really be empowered to create change, at least in your local community. And who knows where it will go in the future. I think we should start that process. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Daniel. Thank you very much, Greg, for the opportunity. Absolutely. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? Well, if they're on Facebook, they could simply sign on to the Casa Grande Garden Group and request membership. And there is an alternate way. You could simply email ISAS Community Garden, and that is I-S-A-S Community Garden at gmail.com. Perfect. And you can also find information about your fundraiser if you want to help them get their water connected at their Facebook page. That's right. I really appreciate it. You bet. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash Casa Grande. We are your urban farming resource. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Also visit urbanfarm.org to find articles, podcasts, webinars, courses, and more. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Claiming your inner urban farmer is easy. Grow food, share it, and name your farm. Then let the world know you're an urban farmer while supporting our podcast. Pick up your urban farmer bling, hats, and t-shirts at imanurbanfarmer.com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. 
Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.